When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a Western Conference final edition of A to Z Mavs. Yes, you heard it right. We're going to be talking about how the Dallas Mavericks climbed out of a 2-0 series hole to beat the Phoenix Suns. Stay tuned. The Dallas Mavericks are headed to the Western Conference Finals. Yes, you heard that right. And we're going to jump into it. I'm your host, Ian Kayanja. You're listening to A to Z Mavs here on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Make sure to give me a follow at I-A-N-I-A-N-K-A-Y on Twitter for all my Mavs takes. Now, without further ado, let's jump into Game 7 and how the Mavs clawed back in this series, dominated Game 7, and are headed to the first Western Conference Final since 2011. Let's jump into it. So what happened? The Mavs beat the Phoenix Suns 123-90 to Sunday afternoon in a Game 7 in a series that the Phoenix Suns once led two games to zero. And the way it happened wasn't with the typical Luka Doncic heroics, though he had a good game. The reason the Mavericks won actually comes from a lesser-known player. His name is Spencer Dinwiddie. In Game 7, he scored 30 points. He shot 11 of 15 from the floor and 5 of 7 from 3. And it's interesting because Spencer Dinwiddie is known as a guy that hasn't necessarily been productive in these playoffs. He's struggled with his efficiency and he's oftentimes looked out of place. And specifically in this Phoenix series, people were wondering whether he went missing. Well, he kind of answered the bell in game six when he hit five threes. And then tonight, when Dallas needed a second score outside of Luka, who you knew was going to give you at least 30 points, Spencer Dinwiddie came in in the first and second quarter, scoring eight and 13 points respectively in each of those frames. And he blew the game open. When Luka Doncic went to the bench, it was only a 10-point game. When Spencer Dinwiddie came in, he extended the lead out to 18 because there was no answer for what he was doing offensively. Dinwiddie was manipulating Phoenix's matchups, looking for their bigs, hunting a lot of their wings, and hoping that Phoenix couldn't figure out how to stop him, and Phoenix never did. Sometimes Dinwiddie was shooting right over some of Phoenix's best defenders. I mean, Cam Johnson has a couple inches on him, has a couple inches in wingspan, and Dinwiddie had his way with him in the second and third quarters. And then there was the time where JaVale McGee switched on to Dinwiddie, and Dinwiddie abused him getting to the rack, drawing an and one. Devin Booker fouled him on that one. And it's funny because that's what Dinwiddie does. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. When you are a feast or famine player, Oftentimes, your best games, you look unbeatable, and at your worst, you look like a scrub. Dallas Dallas got lucky because they got Dinwiddie's best game in a must-win game. And maybe it wasn't luck at all. Maybe it's just that Dinwiddie likes these moments. 
Dinwiddie enjoys the pressure the same way Doncic does. It's just that he's not nearly as talented. But nonetheless, Dallas can hang its hat on Spencer being the reason that they won this game. Because if you get 35 points from Luka, like the Mavs did, if you get 24 points from Jalen Brunson, again, like the Mavs did, that's still not going to be enough to beat the Phoenix Suns. But it was the 30 from Spencer Dinwiddie that broke Phoenix's spirits, it broke their back, and it destroyed their game plan. Dinwiddie helped put Aiton in foul trouble, picking up three fouls before the first half was over. And then also, Dinwiddie was a guard that Phoenix's guard simply couldn't match up with. And so Dallas is in the conference finals, yes, because of the play of Doncic, but also because of the play of Dinwiddie. And then there's this tertiary aspect that Jason Kidd is one hell of a coach. We'll talk more about that after the break. So coming into Game 7, in the pregame media availability, Jason Kidd talked about how the Mavs aren't feeling any pressure. And it made sense. Because Dallas came into this game as the lower seed. Dallas came into this series as the lower seed. And Phoenix won the first two games and had to go to Dallas to win two more to close out the Mavs. And Phoenix failed to do that in both games. Then the series was a best of three, and Phoenix won game five. And they head to game six. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are wearing all black. Phoenix fans are expecting to have the funeral for Dallas's season. And then Phoenix gets its mouth kicked in. And so come game seven, the higher seed, the 60-win Suns, are staring at a boatload of pressure. And Jason Kidd knew that. So what does he game plan? Well, when he was asked in pregame media availability, all Jason Kidd said was, we're going to go out there and play. He talked a lot about what he learned in his previous coaching stops with Frank Vogel in L.A. and then in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. He said that he no longer tries to micromanage the game the same way he used to. And you could see that in Game 7. The Mavs were playing free. Phoenix was playing tight. Dallas was off. Dallas's offense was cooking, and thanks to Luka, it got off to a great start. Phoenix really didn't have an answer when Monty Williams's game plan and, and thought process on how the game was going to play out kind of fell apart. That's what happens when you have a coach like Jason Kidd. He empowers players to make the right decisions when they need them, how they need them, and he doesn't micromanage their every move. There was a tweet during the game that talked about how Rick Carlisle walked so Jason Kidd could run. And I didn't think it was necessarily correct. I think Rick Carlisle ran. It's just that team did not want to play nearly as much defense as this Mavs team does. But I think Rick Carlisle set Luka Doncic up with an offensive structure in Luka Doncic's formative years here in Dallas. Jason Kidd came in and told him, hey, that structure was great, but I just need you to be great and the rest of the team will follow. And in Jason Kidd empowering Luka and also empowering Spencer and empowering Jalen Brunson and choosing to play a style of basketball that says, hey, we're not going to be bigger than anybody, but we are just going to try to outrun everyone, play defense and hit a lot of threes. Well, that game plan has worked. And Jason Kidd firmly outcoached the coach of the year. And it wasn't that Jason Kidd was over there playing chess and Monty Williams was confused. It, it was that Jason Kidd just made the simplest decision when it mattered the most. If a guy was hot, he didn't go away from them. If a guy was struggling, he, he put him on the bench. 
he wasn't too stringent in his game plan to say, hey, you know, this isn't working. We should try something else instead. And so with Jalen Brunson cooking, with Luka cooking, with Dinwiddie cooking, Jason Kidd came in and empowered them and told them, hey, just be the best versions of yourself and we'll be all right. And that's exactly why Dallas won game seven. It was Jason Kidd had been in a situation like this before in L.A. Jason Kidd had been in a situation like this before as a player. And he knew that sometimes the best game seven advice is just let your team be your team and everything else will fall into place. It also helped that Dallas was playing with house money. It's always easy to win. It's always easy to play free when you're not cutting any losses. And no one expected Dallas to be here in the first place. But Kidd has coached his ass off. And Dallas has played their butts off too. So you got to tip your hat. I didn't have the Mavs winning the series. Neither did most of the NBA media world. Yet here they are against the odds. And they had a coach that the hiring was often maligned. And people said, hey, Kidd's not necessarily the best coach. And he's shown that he's a student of the game. And he's a student of coaching. And he's willing to learn. And he assembled one hell of a staff. And so now the Mavs are playing in the Western Conference Finals. They have Golden State next, and it won't be easy. I mean, beating Phoenix wasn't easy. It took seven games. But if Jason Kidd keeps coaching the way he's coaching through empowering the players to make the right decisions and make the right plays and not getting on them for every single mistake, but instead saying, hey, be better next time, I think the sky's the limit. I'm not saying the Mavs will beat Golden State, but I'm saying... I wouldn't be shocked if it went seven games again. A third reason why the Dallas Mavericks took care of business with the Phoenix Suns and and why I think this Warrior series could go seven games was because of the defense the Mavs played on Chris Paul, the Phoenix Suns' Hall of Fame point guard. Chris Paul finished game seven with 10 points. He was a staggering minus 39 while on the floor. He looked like a shell of himself. And there's certain speculation about whether he was, you know, in his right mind, if he was healthy, if he was just feeling himself. And there's no way around it. Chris Paul shrunk in the moment. But also, you have to give Dallas's defense some serious credit. In the series, Jason Kidd made the switch to putting guy, a guy like Reggie Bullock on Chris Paul and having him pick him up full court. And that immediately took Chris Paul out of Game 3 and Game 4 and then Game 5. Game six and game seven. It wasn't pretty for him after that switch was made. Dorian Finney Smith provided length for when Bullock wasn't in the game, and Chris Paul struggled. He he looked like a guy that was 37 years old. And it was a humbling experience as a basketball fan to see Chris Paul struggle nearly as much as he did. But then it was also a marvelous experience being a Mavs media member in seeing that Dallas has learned to play team defense, where they don't have any one guy that's known as a quote-unquote perimeter stopper, but they do have a team that is willing to cover for each other and hide each other's sins and help the helper. And when you're playing a team like Phoenix that loves to, to get downhill and loves to get in the paint and kick out for threes and use guys like Aiton in, in a pick-and-roll with Chris Paul— Physical, aggressive defense threw them off balance. I mean, Chris Paul couldn't even find space to get a shot off. He, he didn't look nearly as close to the Chris Paul of old. 
And maybe that was what the Dallas crowd did to him in game three. Maybe it was the incident with his family and a Dallas fan. But most of all, I think it was the defense that made Chris Paul's life in this series a living hell. He had every chance to be great and at every opportunity, Reggie Bullock met him there. And part of that is what we talked about earlier last segment with Jason Kidd's coaching philosophy and defensive first game plan. Another part of that is just the team is bought in and they believed that they could stop Chris Paul and they believed that they could take him out of the game and they believed that once Chris Paul was neutralized, Phoenix really didn't stand a chance. In Game 7, the Dallas Mavericks admit that their game plan had slightly changed, though, as well. It was to limit Chris Paul, but also it was anyone else but Booker beat us. And Phoenix had nobody. I mean, Aiton played a whopping 17-some minutes. He was in foul trouble. And then Phoenix's wings provided five points, five points, six points, six points, and not much. And when your two stars are struggling, it's the others that need to step up. And no one else was able to do that. And so give credit to Dallas's defense. Give credit to Kidd. Give credit to the way that this team is playing inspired basketball. It's rare that you see lightning in a bottle. And it's rare that a team is able to capture a moment, seize it, and play to the best of their ability. And Dallas has done that. To me, that speaks of preparation. It also speaks of a team willing to sacrifice for each other. And it also speaks to, again, Jason Kidd's head coaching abilities. Dallas has taken on his persona, and his game when he was playing wasn't always pretty. The Mavs games are very rarely ever pretty, but they're effective, and the Mavs win. And that's what matters more than anything else. Finding a way to win when the game isn't always perfect. Kidd has personified that, Luka Doncic has personified that, and the Mavs defense has. So in the Western Conference Finals, Golden State is in for a run for their money. Because if Dallas is defending with the same ferocity that it defended with on Sunday night, anything, again, anything is possible. There you have it. Another episode of A to Z Mavs. This one's a Western Conference Finals edition. It's the first one since 2011. I think that moments like this in sports, you, you can't relish in enough. It's very rare that you get to cover a championship contending team and the Mavs have proved that in the playoffs they're one of the last four teams standing so as always follow me on social media my at is i-a-n-i-a-n-k-a-y again my at is i-a-n-i-a-n-k-a-y make sure to follow a to z sports on all of the social media channels and pages if you go to twitter or facebook and type in a to z sports dallas you'll find all of our cowboys content as well as follow the facebook page for all my mavs content i'm the resident mavs beat writer here and so may the rest of your day be the best of your day and we'll talk soon talking about game one in the western conference finals peace